0: Welcome to the Renovate Church sermon podcast. At Renovate Church, we are passionate about teaching God's Word in such a way that you really get to know the heart and character of God, and where you can apply the truth of Scripture to every aspect of living. We believe that God's Word is relevant and has the power to transform your life. We're excited for this most recent sermon, and we hope it blesses and encourages you. Well, guys, I want to welcome you to our service. Uh, we're in week three of our series called The God of All Encouragement. And what we've been saying is that this idea of encouragement is something that we see jumping off the pages of Scripture all the way from Genesis to Revelation. Because every person in the Bible... Every great person, every called person, um, every person who was sincerely trying to follow uh, after God, after Christ in the New Testament, every single person went through some sort of adversity and difficulty many times to the place of wanting to walk away from their pursuit of God, walk away from their... We see it all the way through the bible so in week one we looked at king david who as a young boy had this heart for god and knew god wasn't ambitious was just out there faithfully serving his father serving with the sheep his assignment and responsibility and all of a sudden he gets called into the house and the prophet says to him hey you're going to be the next king of israel And then for 14 years, he's under duress and a fugitive and finds himself at one place in 1 Samuel 23 being pursued by Saul to to be killed. The people around him have no loyalty to him. They're going to give him up, the Ziphites. But a man named Jonathan comes to him and the scripture says helps him find strength and encouragement in God. So even David, as, as mighty as he was in terms of slaying Goliath, in terms of a mighty warrior, in terms of his his faith in God, even he came to a place where he was tired and fatigued and discouraged where he found himself in life. And then last week we looked at Nehemiah. And Nehemiah was somebody who all of a sudden had a desire to go do something for God and rebuild the city and he sets out on this endeavor and and rallies a group of people to this vision and they find themselves in Nehemiah 4 in a place where they said, the laborers are are weary and greatly distressed and there's so much rubbish, (laughs) so much junk that they have to wade through. And they were ready to quit the project and quit what God had called them to do. And yet, in the midst of that, Nehemiah spoke encouragement into them and the wall was finished in 54 days. So this morning, we're gonna look at another Old Testament individual named Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, is somebody who at a young age, at age 17, he gets a call from God. When you read Jeremiah 1, you'll see that God says to him, hey, listen, I've called you to be a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah responds, hey, I'm just a youth. I can't speak. And God says, hey, listen, I'm going to be with you. And so there's 52 chapters in, in Jeremiah. Most of the book of Jeremiah is him unfortunately having to deliver um, really challenging and unfortunate words to his nation and to his countrymen. And Jeremiah, probably more than anyone, had the most stark experience of on one hand being faithful and obedient to God and on the other hand, having no visible ministry success and being persecuted and alone and isolated and uh, put in a pit, put in a prison, put in stocks. And five different times in the book of Jeremiah, Five times, Jeremiah 11, Jeremiah 15, Jeremiah 17, Jeremiah 18, Jeremiah 20. Jeremiah actually approaches God and and puts his burdens and complaints before God and says, God, where are you? Where are you in the midst of this? So there's no more stark probably example other than Jesus of a person sincerely, authentically desiring to be obedient to God and do what God had called him to do, and yet having incredible misfortune in their life. So we're going to look at Jeremiah and what his challenges were and how God encouraged him in the midst of his challenges because I think each and every one of us can at some point face at least one of these challenges in our life. So on the screen, you'll see, we're going to start in Jeremiah 20, starting in verse 7. And Jeremiah says this. He's speaking to God. And he said, you deceived me lord and i was deceived you overpowered me and prevailed what he's talking about here is this this trap many times that that you and i can fall into in other words god said hey listen jeremiah i have a call on your life i have a purpose on your life i have something grand for you to do you were created with a purpose jeremiah even before you were formed in your mother's womb, Jeremiah, I knew you were gonna be a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah, you were born for something. But many times, we get into trouble when we assume and presume that we understand what our lives are gonna look like. And what ministry is gonna look like. So Jeremiah is saying, God, In many respects, you deceived me. You overpowered me. There was a vision of something that I saw, but it's not matching up to the reality. Look what he goes on to say. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me whenever I speak I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction so the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long so you have to understand here he is faithfully trying to follow God faithfully trying to do what God has called him to do to be a voice to his generation because god was trying to use jeremiah to speak to the nation of israel and to the southern tribe of judah to turn back to him god's desire was that they would turn back to him and be reconciled and be restored but he's saying hey listen your hearts are hard and because of that what's going to happen is There's going to be an Assyrian army come from the north, and Babylon come, and Israel and Judah are going to go into a time of judgment. So here he is speaking this word, but at the heart of it, it was God trying to bring the people back to himself, trying to bring the people back into right relationship with him, and nobody... In the entire nation, listened to, received what he was saying, or responded. Nobody. So he says, Listen, all this has brought me is insult and ridicule. He goes on to say in Jeremiah 29 and 10, But if I say, I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name. His word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in, indeed, I cannot. So he's saying, I'm compelled because I know the truth, and I know who God is, and I know what he's, he's, he's saying, and I know what he's called me to do, so I'm compelled to do this. But look what he goes on to say. I hear many whispering, terror on every side. Denounce him. Let's denounce him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip, saying perhaps he will be deceived, then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. So not only he's got a difficult message that he has to deliver, not only is he being completely rejected, Not a single person is is responding to him, but they're actively seeking to see him fail. They're actively seeking to see. They are working behind the scenes to, to denounce him and to see him fail. So on every side, Jeremiah is in a difficult place. Look at what it goes on to say. So as I said, Jeremiah is struggling with his life and circumstances. And five times he goes to God in brokenness and pain. Jeremiah 11, 18, it's on the screen, 12 through 6. I had been like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter. I did not realize that they had plotted against me, saying, let us destroy the tree and its fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living that his name be remembered no more. Guys, he's in a difficult spot. (laughs) Jeremiah 15, 10 through 21, just a couple verses in there. He says, Lord, you understand. Remember me and care for me. Avenge me on my persecutors. You are long-suffering. Do not take me away. Think of how I suffer reproach for your sake. I sat alone because your hand was on me. And you had filled me with indignation why is my pain unending and my wound grievous and uncurable you are to me like a deceptive brook like a spring that fails do you see what he's he's saying here he's saying in essence god i thought if i served you really really well everything in my life would go really, really well. I thought I'd have that job. I thought I'd have those finances. I thought I'd have that help. I thought I'd have those really good kids. God, I thought I'd have this. But I don't have any of it. it goes on to say, Jeremiah 17 14 through 18, heal me, Lord, and I will be healed. Save me and I will be saved, for you are the one I praise. They keep saying to me, where is the word of the Lord? Let it now be fulfilled. In other words, dude, everything you're saying, nothing has come to pass so far. I have not run away from being your shepherd You know I have not desired the day of despair. What passes my lips is open before you. He's saying, like, God, I didn't ask for this. I just wanted to have a nice house with a white picket fence, with a beautiful family, and just going about my job, going down to the local market and doing what I was called to do as an iron. He's like, dude, I didn't ask for any of this. Jeremiah 18, 18 through 23. They said, come, let's make plans against Jeremiah. For the teaching of the law by the priest will not cease, nor will counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophets. So come, let's attack him with our tongues. And pay no attention to anything he says. Let's attack, let's tear him down. Let's beat him down with our words. Je- Jeremiah, you're nothing. Jeremiah, you're bad. Jeremiah, you're, I mean, they're actively seeking to do this. Listen to me, Lord. Hear what my accusers are saying. Should good be repaid with evil? Yet they have dug a pit for me. Remember that I stood before you and spoke in their behalf to turn your wrath away from them. He's like, I'm only trying to do them good. So what is Jeremiah struggling with at its core? I believe he's struggling with four things that you and I can struggle with as well. Number one, God, if I'm truly serving you, then why are things so hard and difficult for me? He's struggling with that. Come on. We can struggle with that at times. My God, I'm, I'm, I'm truly just doing my best talking to April today as we were driving in and uh, I've been having lots of conversations with Willie and Willie's my best friend and lots of great conversations. He was over at the house the other day and we were talking and I said, you know, it's just, it's crazy to me that when you study like the life of David and you study the life of Jeremiah and you study the life of these, these individuals and I said, you know, let's just take David as a So there's nothing in Scripture that shows that David deserved any of the rejection, hardship, trials that he went through. Like there are people in Scripture that like you can see it like, oh, this is this is a response because of like even Joseph who was relatively innocent in the Old Testament who had a sense of condescension to his brothers because if you read between the lines Joseph says to them in a very smug way I know I'm my father's favorite I have the coat of many colors and I had a vision and a dream that one day all of you are going to be serving me." (laughs) So you can see why, at some level, now the response that the brothers had of throwing him into slavery and selling him off to a caravan was way overboard. But you can see in there, and as R.T. Kendall said when he wrote, God meant it for good, he said one of the things that God was doing with Joseph was Joseph had a deep, deep desire to want to be admired. And God had to break him of it. But God was also causing Joseph to understand unconditional forgiveness and love. And that God was teaching Joseph that he would never, ever again be surprised what people so you can see in there with Joseph like okay but with David you don't you don't see anything yes later in his life when he sinned with Bathsheba but all the way up till he becomes king sometimes he's just serving Saul faithfully honorably honestly he's not trying to usurp Saul he's not talking about Saul He's just there doing what God had asked him to do. And Saul, all of a sudden, hears some people say, Saul has slain his thousands and David his 10,000s, and Saul turns and throws a spear at him and tries to kill him. And David, even then, doesn't respond. He doesn't retaliate. David stays in in a posture of honoring Saul all the way through. But yet, David's journey was one of difficulty and hardship and all that. Yet, there wasn't anything that he, he didn't provoke it. Jeremiah's kind of the same way. And I was talking to April this morning as we were coming in, and I'm like, you know, by the, from the time I got saved... I haven't had any desire other than to just want to honorably serve God. That's it, but then sometimes you have difficulty and you have conflicts and you have people say this and you're going through that and you're going and going. I can relate to Jeremiah, in other words, what I'm saying, I can relate to Jeremiah and like, God, I just wanted to honor, honestly serve you, how am I here? How are we here? So that's what Jeremiah is asking. God, if I'm I'm truly serving you, then why are things so hard and difficult? Secondly, God, do you really see and care what I'm going through? Like, he's asking that in those five chapters. If you read them, you'll see. He said, God, like, do you see what I'm going through here? Like, do you care that I'm going through this? This is difficult. Third thing. God, is it even worth going on? Is it really worth the pain to serve you? Is it really worth it? Fourth, God, can you do anything about my situation? When will things change and get better? Remember from the beginning when Jeremiah said, you you deceived me. You're deceptive. God, I thought that if I served you, this is the life I would have. God, I thought if I served you well and my life would look like this. And yet, all through Scripture, guys, we see that that's really never the case. It's never the case. Jesus went through suffering. Paul went through suffering. Peter went through suffering. There's this whole thing in our lives that, because we live in America, and the ideals that we've been sold, and the American dream, and even the American church. Because you can have it all. This This is what the good life looks like. A friend of mine wrote his doctorate dissertation, Greg Pritchard, on the fallacy of the good life. It's not biblical. So, this is where Jeremiah finds himself. He really needs encouragement. Come on, if you're all alone and you're in this situation. So God consistently answers Jeremiah's questions. Look at what he says in Jeremiah 15, 20 through 21. God answers, thus says the Lord, I will make a wall to this people. I will make you a wall to this people. A fortified wall of bronze, Jeremiah. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you to rescue and save you. God speaks into a situation. Jeremiah, I'm going to make you a fortified wall of bronze. In other words, I'm going to pour my strength into you come on the word encourage courage means to pour strength and encourage into someone and God says Jeremiah I know you're going through difficulty he might speak to a mom this morning and say I know you're going through difficulty raising your children but I have the ability to pour strength into you you might be going through a situation looking for a job Saying, okay, God, when are you going to do this? When are you going to provide? And God says, hey, listen, I can pour strength into you. I can pour strength. Look at what he says. For I am with you to rescue and save you, declares the Lord. I will save you from the hands of the wicked and deliver you from the grasp of the cruel. Jeremiah 20, verses 11 and 13. But the Lord is with me, Jeremiah says, like a mighty warrior. So my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. Sing to the Lord. Sing, praise. He pivots. If you read it in chapter 20, he is pouring out complaint, complaint. And all of a sudden, right here, he pivots and starts saying a whole different thing. sing to the Lord, sing praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. So God encourages Jeremiah with four big truths that he can encourage us with today. Number one, Jeremiah, I am for you, and you will get through this. Come on, if you don't hear anything else today, At your baseline, you have to understand that God is for you. He's not against you. Come on, Scripture says it. God is for you, not against you. What can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus? Can despair, can persecution, can things above, can... Nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus you have to understand that God is for you he's for you I have to understand that God is for me he hasn't abandoned me he hasn't abandoned you he hasn't abandoned us that's what, listen Jeremiah wrote the book of Jeremiah but he also wrote the book of Lamentations in Lamentations is him. He was known as the weeping prophet. In Lamentations is him pouring out his heart of the brokenness that he was seeing around him and the brokenness that he was enduring. And right in the middle of it, in Lamentations 3, he writes, but great is your faithfulness. It's written in poetic form. He's singing it. Great is thy faithfulness, God, in the midst of my situation. God, you haven't abandoned me. You're for me. You're for me. You're for us. Number two, Jeremiah, I understand your pain and disappointment. I understand it. John Stott, a great British theologian and author, wrote, I could never serve a God who himself had never suffered. He wouldn't understand it. So Jeremiah is coming to him saying, do you understand the pain that I'm in? We had a pastor from Southeast Christian Church came and spoke at our church in Indianapolis at Trader's Point and he ended his message and he said a year ago I was sitting with a mother who had lost her son in a tragic auto accident where the other person was drunk and I was counseling her and she listened and she listened and she listened and she finally said to me Pastor Pastor what does God know about losing a son? And she caught herself. Everything. Everything. God knows what it's like to endure. God knows what it's like to be broken. God knows what it's like to suffer. That's all of Isaiah 53, 54, the suffering servant. He understands Jeremiah, I understand your pain and disappointment. I do. I do. I'm here. Number three, Jeremiah, I will fulfill my promises and my word. Do you understand that Jeremiah, God asked him at one point, knowing that Judah was going to be taken over, by Babylon, he asked Jeremiah, go read it, he asked Jeremiah to go and to buy land in Judah. And Jeremiah obeyed and he went and bought land, knowing that in his lifetime he would never see the fulfillment of God's promise to bring Israel back. Jeremiah your pain. Church, I'm for you. Church, I understand your situation. I'm in it with you. I understand. I can be compassionate. You can come to me. Jeremiah, church, my plans and my purposes will be fulfilled. There will be when God's spoken something to you about your life, your ministry, your family, your kids, you might not see it right away, but God will fulfill it. He will fulfill it. it might not look like what we think it's going to look like. I read a book years ago, The Power of Praise, and it stopped me in my tracks. I picked it up off. I'd never seen it. It was a badly done cover and I just was flipping through waiting for April she was doing something and I just read one page and the page was this that never presume on how God is going to do something because in your own life think about what he allowed you to go through to ultimately bring you to him and with your children he said we want to be helicopter parents, and we want to come in, and, but what if God has to take them through something like he did Jacob to ultimately bring them to himself? Come on. We can't get disillusioned and discouraged because we're not seeing things in our time in our way. And this is what he was speaking to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, my plans and purposes are going forth. Jeremiah, they're going to be fulfilled. Take confidence in that, Jeremiah. Lastly, Jeremiah, there is a reward for your faith and obedience. If you were looking at Jeremiah's ministry today, no converts, no baptisms, no churches planted. His meeting nobody came to. You would say he was an utter failure. But God judges success differently than the world does and than you and I do. The world might look and say, as you raise those kids, oh, da, 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 no, God judges it differently. God looks at obedience and faithfulness. Jeremiah, you did what I called you to do. Well done, good and faithful servant. So come into the point, prepared for you. He said the same thing to the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul said could fight. I finish the race. I did what God called me to do. And now it's laid up for me in heaven, a crown of glory, a crown of righteousness to those who endured, to those who stayed faithful. He said, listen, this present suffering can no way compare to the future glory. Paul said, I kept my eyes on that. I didn't get thrown off by the I didn't get thrown off by this. He said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, you have a reward. Church, you have a reward if you persevere, if we persevere. And with this, one of the most famous theologians in the world, a guy named B.B. Warfield, World-renowned theologian, he taught at Princeton Seminary for 34 years until his death in 1921. Most of his insightful books are still in print today. But what many don't do not know about Warfare Field is that in 1876, at the age of 25, Warfare got married and took his bride Annie on a honeymoon to Germany. While there, Annie was struck by lightning and permanently paralyzed. Warfare cared for her every day for the next 39 years until he laid her to rest in 1915. Because of her extraordinary needs, Warfare Warfield seldom left the house for more than an hour at a time. How did he endure this trial with patience and joy without growing bitter toward God in his circumstances? His thoughts on Romans eight twenty eight may reveal the reason. The fundamental concept is the universal government of God. All that comes to each and every one of us is under his controlling hand the secondary thought is the favor of God to those who love him. If he governs all, then nothing but good can ultimately come to those to whom he would do good. Though we are too weak to help ourselves and too blind to ask for what we actually need and can only groan in uninformed longings, God is the author in us of these very longings, and he will govern all things that we shall reap only good from all that befalls us in the end perspective not why god why god i had this perfect life plan i was going to be a creature and i was going to do this and try Look at us. We were going to be blessed. Why? God, I believe that you're good. God, I believe that you have the best for me, the best for Anne. I trust you, God, that you're for me. I trust you, God, that you care and you know. I trust you, God, that your plans and purposes are going to be fulfilled for me. And God, ultimately, this is a being. Perspective calls warfield to be faithful to his calling and his being his wife for her entire life. What about you and I? Just remember, Jeremiah, let's remember these things. We've got the difficulty of the person. God's voice. He's not a better than us. He understands. we came into the new year, I really felt like God was saying that he wanted to encourage the church, us. And we just believe a couple things, guys, in church. Number one, we believe in the power of prayer. The Bible says wherever two or more agree as upon touching anything, it'll be done for them. The Bible says that Elijah was a man just like you and I. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much, so we believe in the power of prayer. Secondly, we believe in the power of encouragement one to another. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14, the Apostle Paul is talking about a local church context, the church at Corinth, and he's talking about how they were using their gifts to edify and encourage one another. In 1 Corinthians 14, he says, That prophecy is given for exhortation, edification, and comfort, and encouragement. So, we can minister one to another. Words of encouragement. on people to pray for strength, to pray for grace, to pray for breakthrough, to pray for jobs, to pray for these things. So we have our prayer team. We're going to have Janet here, Tato here, and Karen, and Donnie. We're going to have Linda, Willie, and Teresa. Guys, we don't want this to be weird, but we just want to see every person pray As Raymond and Ruth lead us in in worship here in the closing minutes of our service, I just encourage you to find somebody and just get prayed prayed for this morning. And then Donnie's going to come up and close us out. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Just find somebody close to you. Just receive prayer this morning. Again, our hope is that every every single person would be prayed for. Hey, we are so glad that you joined us for our service this morning if you are interested in learning about how you can start a relationship with Jesus we would love to be here to talk that through with you the Bible says in 1st John 5:12 that whoever has the son has life and we really believe that here at renovate so again if you want to start a relationship with Jesus if you're just interested in learning more about the faith you have questions we'd love to hear from you as well or if you want to grow as a follower of Jesus or get more involved in what we're doing we'd love to hear from you so just go ahead and comment on the platform that you're at or reach out to us by email at info at renovatechurch.com again we're so glad you're able to join us we hope you have a great week and we look forward to hearing from you soon